Good evening, church. We're now going to turn to God's words. We're in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, looking at verses 22 to 36. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country, People brought all who were ill to him, and they begged him to let those who were ill just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is God's word. Our Father God, I guess an awful lot of us will be praying a similar prayer this evening. We thank you that you are with us, that we do not have to be physically present with one another to know that you are with us. Thank you that your spirit is with your church wherever we gather. And so we pray that you would speak words of life and power to us as we look at your word together. Amen. We are living in crazy times. I was walking the dog on Wednesday morning, and as I came back past the supermarket, there was a van unloading, and it was basically just full of toilet paper. Notice the doors were open on the van, the delivery driver was nowhere to be seen, and I found myself thinking, ooh, that is a risk. You don't want to leave a valuable cargo like that unattended. It's toilet paper. You know, what does the world come to when you, you look at a van of toilet paper and think that ought to have security with it? Or well, later in the day, there, there was a very strange scene. Uh, you may well have been part of it. Uh, around lunchtime, as the tubes just disgorged all these workers to the suburbs, all carrying large screen monitors from work. The last time I saw that many people walking along the street carrying flat screen TVs was the Clapham riots. It is, it's just crazy. It's bizarre what's happening. Now, the media loves hyperbole. But it is undeniable that what we're going through right now is unprecedented. It is also unpredictable. And it's changing, sometimes on a daily basis. At the heart of it, of course, is a virus we don't fully understand yet, that we can't quite control, and that is spreading virulently amongst us unseen. All of which means this is its a very unnerving time. Uh, we feel a certain degree, I guess, of physical fear 
anxiety for our health, particularly if we or, or people we love are either elderly or have an underlying health condition or are pregnant. If that's the case, then, well, it would be pretty easy to be overwhelmed with fear. Others of us will be feeling anxious for different reasons. For many, there are genuine financial concerns. Uh, musicians tell me that all their gigs for the next few months have just been cancelled. Contract workers in retail, in pubs and cafes, just no employment for them now, no need. And so for some, there is a genuine concern. How will I pay the rent? How will I buy food to eat? For others... I guess there is just that, that just general sense of insecurity, of the, the foundations shaking. Uh, many of us here are very competent and capable. Well, many of you anyway. We're, we're used to being able to be in control of life, to make things work. And we don't like it when that sense of control is threatened. And yet all of a sudden we find ourselves being swept along in a tidal wave of events that we don't fully understand and we certainly can't control. We find the experience, well, at best uncomfortable and at worst, to be honest, terrifying. All of which meant that we thought we should spend the, the next four weeks as a church thinking about how faith speaks into the pandemic and the panic. If you like, faith in a time of coronavirus. And so at 6 p.m., we'll look at four things Jesus says. Uh, tonight from Matthew 14, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I hope you've still got the, re the reading with you somewhere. Don't be afraid. Uh, and we'll look through the passage this way. Uh, Jesus takes us through storms for our good. Secondly, the water that threatens to engulf us is under his feet. And thirdly, faith replaces fear when we fix our eyes on him. So the first thing we see is that Jesus takes us through storms for our good. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Now, incidentally, I hope that you are turning the fears and anxieties into prayers and bringing them to God. At a time like this, ironically, we can find ourselves praying less. Uh, we're so busy uh, worrying and panic buying and obsessively following the news. But I don't know about you. I don't know how much you pray normally. But now is the time when we need to be praying more. Whoever you are, however much you pray, now is the time to be praying more. Back to the passage. Uh, later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So Jesus is upside on the hillside praying, and the disciples are out at sea. It's four or five miles across, so they're probably some considerable distance from safety of the shore. Now remember, they have been here before in a boat in a storm, but that time, Jesus was with them in the boat. What's interesting, though, is what's got them into this trouble. Do you see there in verse 22? They end up in the middle of the ugly storm because they do what Jesus said. Because they obey him. Does that surprise you? It's easy to think, well, well if I obey Jesus, life's going to go well. And sometimes it's true, we get into a terrible mess because we ignore God's good, wise and loving rules for how life goes best in his world. But at other times, we will face storms even though we are following Jesus faithfully, obeying him in our lives. 
As Psalm 23 puts it, God's righteous path may well lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. So why on earth would Jesus let us face redundancy or cancer or an abusive relationship or to get sick with a terrible virus if we're obeying him? Seems to me when you look at the Bible, the answer is simple. Many of the richest, deepest experiences of relationship with God, many of the most invaluable lessons of faith in him can only be learned as we walk with God through storms and suffering. As Peter gets out of the boat, the end of the passage in Gennesaret at the other side of the lake, his faith in Jesus is far deeper and far richer than it would have been had it all been plain sailing. He's seen Jesus rescue him when he thought he would drown. He's seen Jesus command the forces of nature. He's even seen Jesus enable him to walk on water. I have to say, I have never met a mature, resilient, joyful Christian who's not been through serious fires of suffering. Faith doesn't grow in theory. Faith only grows as it's exercised in practice. Now, I've got a, a few friends who are Royal Marines. Uh, they look, well, nothing like me, basically. Uh, becoming a Royal Marine is not an easy thing. Uh, you can't just turn up and they'll give you the famous Green Beret. Because the thing is, you're not ready when you just turn up off the street. Oh, you can read all you like about the values of fitness and toughness and endurance and the marine manuals, but you can't become those things by reading about them or thinking about them or aspiring to them. You only become those things through the suffering of seriously arduous training that stretches you, that tests you, that toughens you bit by bit by bit over the weeks and months. Let me say one reason... God has allowed this pandemic to come to our city and disrupt your life is that God wants to make something more of you than you are already. He's taking you through this storm for your good. Romans 8:28 that many of us have studied recently assures us in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Rarely do any of us uh, know precisely what good God is planning on working in us in this particular crisis, uh, whether us as individuals or corporately as a church. But as we look at the cross, we see that in God's hands, the most appalling suffering can be the cause of the most unimaginably wonderful blessing. Jesus takes us through storms for our good. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Secondly, the second thing we'll see uh, that helps us is that the water that threatens to engulf us is under Jesus' feet. The water that threatens to engulf us is under Jesus' feet. Join with me at verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, 
truly you are the son of God. Now, in the Bible, water is not just H2O. Stormy waters are a picture of decreation. Think the flood. Uh, Stormy waters are a picture of all that might overwhelm and destroy us. So psalm after psalm after psalm turns to the raging waters when it wants an image of a terrifying evil or an overwhelming force that's going to, to engulf us. So uh, writing of his enemies in Psalm 69, verse 15, David implores God, do not let the floodwaters engulf me or the depths swallow me up. So a sea, a storm at sea in the New Testament is New Testament language for the most terrifying, overwhelming force you can imagine. That's what's going on here. And here are the disciples, swamped by waves, terrified by howling winds. And here is Peter too later on sucked down into the depths but where is jesus well he's nowhere to be seen to start with the disciples are alone in the boat they cannot see jesus but of course jesus can see them and is coming to rescue them it is a great reminder even before we get into the detail When we worry, God has forgotten us because we can't feel his presence and we just can't see his hand in any of the events around us. Remember, we may not be able to see him, but we know he is always watching over us. And so Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And the forces that terrify them, that threaten to engulf them, they are under Jesus' feet. He tramples them, if you like. He walks on water, which is impossible. But physical creation, even at its most unruly and terrifying, it has to submit to its creator and do what he says. And so he stands in the middle of the lake and speaks to the terrified disciples in verse 27. Uh, What he says literally is, take courage, I am. Don't be afraid. The words that God spoke to Moses from the burning bush... Jesus speaks to the disciples on the raging seas. Here is almighty God. And as the disciples witness what Jesus does, they can, well, they can only respond in worship and exclaim, truly, you are the son of God. All things, all things that we fear are under the feet of Jesus Christ, the son of God. In Martin Luther's shocking phrase, even the devil is God's devil. Wind and waves, all of nature's forces, all under his command. He walks on them, verse 32. He calms them. Sickness, disease, those two are under his command. (laughs) Given the circumstances, I thought we would stretch the passage to include the last verses. Verse 34. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all who were ill to him and begged him to let those who were ill just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. A touch of the edge of his garment is all it takes to be healed of any sickness. No disease is a match for his power. His life and his healing are far more virulent and contagious than any sickness. Now, lots of people are feeling like they're in the middle of an overwhelming storm right now. NHS workers are trying to care for the sick, prioritise resources. They're facing an intolerable burden. 
government advisors and ministers sifting through all the vast amounts of information and, and trying to work out what's reliable and, and what's a wise course of action. Members of the public caught up in events that just keep changing all around us, unsure what to do, unsure what tomorrow will bring. Well, whoever you are and whatever you are facing, know this, the waters that threaten to engulf you are under Jesus' feet. And so he tells us, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lastly, faith replaces fear when we fix our eyes on him. I come back to the, the mind-boggling scene at the heart of the passage. Do you know how many humans have walked on the moon? Since Neil Armstrong first put a footprint into the lunar dust on the 21st of July 1969, only 11 humans have managed to walk on the moon. Now, it's pretty hard to trump that in a game of one-upmanship, whatever boast people might have. I walked on the moon. I mean, that is a mic drop moment. But other than Jesus, only one other human being has ever walked on water. <laughs> I reckon later in life, the other disciples uh, must have wished they'd volunteered. I mean, I, I kind of hope they didn't play bragging games, but you can imagine, well, I've healed lots of lepers. Well, who hasn't? I mean, we're all disciples. Well, I've raised, I've raised some dead people. Yeah, me too, me too. Peter can always trump them all. I've walked on water. I've walked on water. I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like? Verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them as he comes to them in the middle of the lake, take courage, it is I, I am, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water and came towards Jesus. Did the water become flat where Peter was? Was it hard under his feet or, or was it soft and squidgy? We just don't know, but he hears Jesus' voice, he obeys Jesus, and he's able to walk on water. But then something happens, verse 30, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? What happened? What changed for Peter? The start of verse 30 tells us, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. It is so simple. It feels like a Sunday school lesson, but it's no less true for being simple. Just as faith replaces fear when we fix our eyes on Jesus, so when we turn our eyes away from Jesus, fear quickly replaces faith. If you like, faith is like an electrical plug. Its only power comes from the thing it's plugged into. When faith is plugged into looking to Jesus Christ, then we have power, we're healthy and strong. But when we're unplugged, when we turn away from him, well, if we're in the middle of a storm, we quickly become overwhelmed as, as we look around at the wind and the waves that are beyond our power to control. Now for us, perhaps the wind is the physical fear of the virus. Or for others, perhaps the 24-hour the news cycle. I mean, the media do not boost their ratings by being understated and measured. Having the news on 24-7, I think it, it is just breeding anxiety in us. And there's also the rumor mill that spreads even quicker than the virus. Everybody, everybody has a friend whose husband's boss's cat was at a government briefing where they said soldiers are going to start shooting people if they go into the supermarket and take more than two rolls of toilet paper. I mean, everybody seems to know somebody. 
And lastly, there are my own inner thoughts and anxieties and fears. And for those of us who are prone to anxiety, the isolation, the increased time on our own can easily lead to a spiral. And when there is a storm raging, I need to consciously turn away from those things and look to Jesus. If I know that in Jesus there is supernatural, miraculous power, then I must turn away from these things and fix my eyes on him if I'm to know faith, not fear. You see, as much as the virus is a genuine danger to us, which it is, as Christians, it is the fear that the virus engenders which really threatens to overwhelm us. Because the great battle for the believer is not over the health of our bodies, but over the health of our faith. Our eternal destiny rests on our faith in Jesus Christ, not on whether we get sick or stay healthy. And so we should take more precautions over our spiritual health than our physical health at this time. So I wonder, can I suggest a measure of uh, social distancing from the wind and the waves? We can't escape the news and the rumor mill, and we, we need to keep up with events. But we might want to discuss, to limit, how much time we're spending watching the news. So we might wonder whether every WhatsApp group that we're part of is, is helpful and healthy for us. Now, God calls us to be wise, so please do take sensible precautions at this time. But you don't have to give in to fear the way that everybody else is. Your life is not in the hands of a virus. Your life is not in the hands of the government or the NHS. Your life is not even in your own hands. Your life is in the hands of Jesus Christ, of I am, and all the waters and the storms are under his feet. David Livingstone, the explorer, missionary, and tireless campaigner against the slave trade, traveled through inland Africa in the early 1800s. And as he did so, he knew enormous daily danger. There were, uh, there were understandably hostile tribes. There were slave traders. There were wild animals. There were tropical diseases. But he didn't live in fear because he knew that Jesus walked on and over any and every danger he might face. And so he wrote these famous words, and they're true for all of us tonight, if we trust in Jesus Christ. And they'll be true for us when we wake up tomorrow morning too. We are immortal until our work on earth is done. We are immortal until our work on earth is done. It is God and God alone who determines the day in which he will call us home. Jesus tells us, don't be afraid. It doesn't mean that if we fix our eyes on him, that we know we won't get coronavirus. But it does mean that as we look to Jesus Christ, the more we look to him, the more we will be released from fear. He's no longer physically here with us on earth. So we can't look at him in that way. We, now, we look to him now by listening. We look to him by listening to his words. Fear turns to faith as we fix our eyes, our attention, our ears on Jesus Christ. So can I suggest we might want to up the ante on our Bible reading and prayer in this season. If you've never managed to read the Bible daily, 
Why not try to get in that routine without the commute that most of us will no longer have? Uh, you could try the Explore Daily Bible Reading app from the Good Book Company, a really helpful way to get into the daily habit. You could subscribe to the Digital Fast Biblical Feast daily email during Lent that we've produced. You could read the CCM blog. Every day there'll be fresh content and links to helpful things from around the web. And as we meditate on Scripture... And as we bring our fears to God in faith, in prayer, rather than dwelling on them, as we do these things, the one who walks on the water, the one who rules over every storm, will breathe hope and peace into us. Hear him speak to you now as he says to each one of us, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Fix your eyes on him. And fix your eyes on him, not just for your own sake, but for the sake of our city too. Because as the people you live and work remotely with uh, see you facing the same fears, the same uncertainties, the same dangers, but doing so with faith in Jesus, well, it may be that they will start to see the hope and the peace and the freedom that Jesus alone brings through his gospel. Trust him. Trust him and you can say tonight to your loved ones and you can say to yourself throughout the day, don't be afraid. Jesus is with us. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you that the Lord Jesus is surely with us. Thank you that he walks over the storm to be with us, to calm our fears. Help us, we pray, to turn our eyes away from the things that feed our anxiety. Help us to fix our eyes on him. Help us to trust him. And as we do so, would you free us from fear? Help us to be different, that we might show the hope and the peace that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen.